Do you ever uh, find yourself using your GPS even when you know where you're going? Do you, all the time. Okay, interesting. Uh, I've never done that. Um, I'm just kidding. I, I have done that before, and I don't know what. It, there's some sort of comfort uh, with that. I, I think, like, what if something happens? What if there's a detour? You know, which is, has never happened any time that I've done that. But there's something. There's something deeply rooted within our culture and in our psyche where we have this fear of being lost. I mean, it's it's just not a good feeling. I've been lost in the woods in the dark with like a full moon and and I thought we could see pretty good and a buddy and I, we, I, we, I was with other people, it was safe, like I knew where I was and that's fine. It worked out really well. Uh, but we went this one direction and we were just, we knew like this is, oh, this is where we're headed, right to the path that we we're trying to go to. And we found ourselves just walk, walking right in a circle. I mean like that's a legitimate thing. Uh, we just recently rewatched through the Lord of the Rings trilogy as a family really enjoyed the, those, those stories. And uh, Frodo and Sam are walking at one point during the movie. This is not a spoiler if you haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, they're walking in the wilderness and they find themselves, oh, we've been here before. We're just walking in circles. Uh, there's this, uh, through all kinds of different uh, myths and fairy tales, you know, people getting lost in the woods and found, I mean, we could talk about like Snow White running off into the woods and seven dwarves, you know, eventually find her and, and, and they help her and that's fine. And Hands on Gretel. I don't. I don't really know what they're doing. Um, I don't, they eat a house or something, and something about breadcrumbs. I don't know. But I think that all works out in the end at some point too. Uh, most of the time we tell those stories, you know, because you know getting lost is kind of a thing we're afraid of. But most of the time in the stories that works out pretty well. Well, during the 18th and 19th centuries, getting lost was one of the most common causes of death among children of European settlers in the North American wilderness. I mean, so, so it's a real legitimate thing. And this thing, this has been kind of studied over the course of, um, uh, you know, a couple, couple different scientists have kind of studied the psychology of this and how things work, our sense of direction. How many of you pride yourselves on having like a really strong sense of direction and, and you just kind of know where you're headed? Okay, only a few of us are really willing to admit that because you're like, I, I don't know, because uh, I use the GPS when I know I'm go- where I'm going. Um, there have been a couple different studies where uh, one doctor used GPS monitors to track volunteers through a German forest and the S- Sahara Desert as well. And uh, that whole movie story trope about, you know, just finding yourselves being lost and, and walking in circles, it's something that we actually do. So especially on like an overcast day or deep in the forest where you don't really have a whole lot of recognizable landmarks and stuff like that, the GPS tracker showed that all of these volunteers to a person, when the sun wasn't out, when they didn't have something that they could look to to guide them along the way, they just walked in a circle. We just kind of naturally do this. And we don't even realize that we're doing it either because we think, oh, I know how to walk in a straight line, right? I mean. Have you ever had trouble walking in a straight line? Actually, I don't want to know the answer to that question, I don't, I don't think. Um, we, we all know how to do that. We, we can look, I can see the door, I can see the target, and go. But there's a lot of times in life that we come up against ob- obstacles, you know, things happen and they take us a little bit off course. They, they take our attention. Um, they distract us. And we don't usually, uh, and this is pretty consistent among all human beings, we don't usually recognize how far off course we've been led. It takes just a little bit. I mean, it just could be like, oh, I'm walking a straight line, but, you know, I'm going to go an inch to the right. And then by the time we go 100 yards, we realize how far away from our target we really, we really are. Um, although each turn and angle may go small and unnoticed, we can find ourselves in a completely different place than we were attempting to be. In the absence of landmarks and boundaries, our, our head direction selves 
uh, don't really do a good job of computing direction and distance, and they can leave us pretty lost. Um, all right, so that could be really good advice for the next time you find yourselves walking in the woods off trail. I don't know how many times you, you do that in your life. Maybe you should do it at least once. Um, but there's something a little bit deeper and more meaningful for us in knowing that about ourselves. We need an anchor. We need a foundation for how we view and understand our movement through life. Otherwise, we find ourselves moving in circles, repeating the same things, finding ourselves in the same position over and over again. In a life with God, which is what we've been talking about over the last few weeks, relating to him the way that he desires to relate to us, the right foundation for the way that we think about how we're supposed to have this relationship with him, how we view, we think, and relate to God, that is what helps us stay on course in a life with him. There, there's a perspective that God gives us. It is the scope of eternity. It's, it's a way that helps us to see things that's so much broader and so much bigger and so much more directed than just the you know, normal everyday things that we typically spend all, our, all of our attention uh, on him. And, and the, the, the thing that makes so much of a difference of what we anchor ourselves to Last week we talked about how life with God is meant to be a life with faith, where we can trust that God is there. Is that the perspective that we get to hold on into those moments where we are distracted, and there is an obstacle on our way, is that we can hold on to the hope that God will get us through that thing to where we're supposed to be and to where he has us going. Uh, most of the time when we talk about the word hope, we actually are not talking about hope at all. We're talking about wishes. Uh, and it maybe this seems a little bit like semantics, but most of the time... Uh, when we talk about our hopes and dreams, we're actually talking about wishes and dreams. Like, I hope, I hope my dream will come true. What, we're really talking about a, a wish. Um, I, I, I like demotivational posters um, because that kind of fits in with my, my humor just a little bit. You guys know what I'm talking about when I say demotivational. Some of you don't. I'm going to give you an example. So here's a demotivational poster about wishes. We can thank Disney for this, maybe. Uh, when you wish upon a falling star your dreams can come true. Unless, of course, it's really a meteorite hurtling toward the earth, <laughs> which will destroy all life. Uh, you're pretty much hosed no matter what you wish for, unless it's death by meteor, you know. Uh, I, I, right, you can be whatever you want, honey. You know, you just, your wishes will all come true. That's just not how it works. Wish is kind of a, an, an interesting thing because it's, uh, you, you, do, you really don't want what's real. And, and wish really just becomes a positive spin on despair. It's very different from hope. Um, here's, here's how despair uh, works. Here's another demo demotivational poster for you uh, for despair. You know, it's always darkest just before what? Before it goes pitch black. You know? <laughs> right, I mean... Uh, okay, maybe that's not as uh, motivational as you were hoping for uh, this morning. Um, a wish seeks to suspend reality. Hope is developed in reality. A wish is, is like partner with despair because it's something that you really, really want to come true, but you kind of know it's never going to happen. I really I wish somebody would give me a million dollars. You know, it's like I'm just despairing. Right? I mean, that's a representation of my despair that I'm not content with what I do have and how I'm taken care of. You, you see what I'm saying? And, and I'm not saying we're like intentionally going into that and really thinking about that, but maybe, maybe we should. Um, after the year 2014, um, there's some, been some studies 
And you can find some more recent uh, information from the National Center for Health S Statistics. But deaths of despair from suicide, alcohol abuse, and drug overdoses have caused life This was after 2014, caused life expectancy in the U.S. to drop for three consecutive years. So, you know, you're, we're talking about heart disease and cancer and all of these kinds of things, but the, the epidemics that we really face in our culture are something uh, that are a lot more significant. And the way that our culture tries to medicate for those things aren't working. So when we talk about loneliness, when we talk about being content with life, when we're talking about being anchored to something that is worthwhile, that gives us hope for something um, confidence that something better is, is there and that God wants that for us. Um, you know, these, these types of things are impacting us on a real tangible level. This is not some like esoteric, you know, idea that we're talking about. This is real tangible stuff that's affecting us, our families, our neighbors, our friends. Uh, a century before, a couple of Princeton University researchers declared a despair epidemic for a culture that is killing Americans in unprecedented numbers. There's a Danish theologian and philosopher um, who described a condition that he believed affected everyone and can culminate in a sickness unto death. This is Soren Kierkegaard, and that condition that he talked about in 1849 was despair. He recognized and acknowledged that, hey, there, there's something broken in humanity when we don't have the hope that God created us to have in our life. Uh, he said this. He said, if there was nothing eternal in a man, he could not despair. And the point he's making with that is there, there's something innate God created within us to know that there's something better than the brokenness that we see in the world. Like, like the sin that we tend to participate in, the, the distractions, the obstacles that tend to come in our ways, and in ways that we kind, of, we kind of recognize innately, even if not consciously, we recognize it subconsciously, that things aren't, it shouldn't be that way. Like the death, the pain, the sorrow, the despair, th those things are not, that, that can't be right. And it's true, those, those aren't the ways that God called us or created us to be able to experience life. Uh, people talk about hope all the time, but hope can be difficult to understand or define, especially when we think it's more along the lines of a wish. And sometimes it's difficult to recognize. But hope is the complete opposite of despair. Um, hope pops up in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11. This is the faith chapter. Um, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Hope is, and if you remember uh, from a couple weeks ago as we talked about uh, the trapeze artist as he's flying through the air and he has faith that there's a catcher, there's someone who's going to catch him on the other end. That's why he goes forward with the crazy act of getting up high and flying through the air like that. Hope is the feeling as you fly through the air knowing that you're going to be caught. Godly hope is confident expectation that God will fulfill his promises. It is the peace and joy sustained in us by the Spirit regardless of our circumstances. And when we don't have that, there's a disconnect from what we say we believe about God and what we put into practice in our lives. Uh, there's this uh, healthy chunk of scripture in Hebrews chapter 6 that I want to read for you uh, because it establishes quite a bit of context for how hope works and how God establishes that in our lives. This is from he Hebrews chapter 6 starting in verse 16. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things 
in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He's become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. There's this combination in the Hebrews, there's this connection between uh, the old covenant, how the people of God used to relate to God, and the new covenant, and how that's been um, changed and made new through Jesus. Uh, Skipping down to verse 26, the author continues, such a high priest, speaking of Jesus, truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forever. This is another retelling of the good news of the gospel. And the explanation here is how Jesus fulfills the promises of God to establish hope in our lives. We have, from verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And the hope that we have in salvation is made certain by the promises of God who cannot lie, and he confirms that with himself because he's the strongest person, strongest thing on which his oath can be made. To confirm that promise through Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith and salvation. And so that's where our hope comes from, and that's how it's established. And yet the Bible doesn't ignore the fact that in life it is hard to hold on to this hope. When you read through the Old Testament, for example, the sea or the ocean uh, isn't referred to very fondly. In fact, it's often used to describe the chaotic reality of life in a world that's broken by sin. In Psalm chapter 69, this is kind of one of the more well-known psalms of despair from David as he writes. And he says, Save me, O God. For the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters, the floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Um, Some of you have either been here in your life or you know somebody who has, if it hasn't been you. Um, And there's there's nothing wrong with recognizing that we go through these types of moments of despair in our lives. It's evidence that we were made for so much more. It gives us time to acknowledge the reality of life and develop perspective in the face of circumstance. Um, don't listen to people who say, oh, you shouldn't even just feel that way, right? David is pouring out his heart and saying, no, this is the reality of a, of a world that's broken by sin. Like, it's okay for us to acknowledge that and recognize that. However, as disciples of Jesus, the hope that we hold on to is that we recognize we don't have to stay there. When hope in God is our anchor, the storm doesn't determine where we went, where we end up. We take time to acknowledge the storm, the reality of it, its impact. There will be repairs that need to be made. Sometimes we need help that we're unwilling to ask for often. Um, And instead of self-medicating, we should be reaching out. Uh, We should absolutely be taking cues from those around us who are despairing from when they need encouragement. But at some point, when we are living out life with God and holding on to the hope that he promises and fulfills through Jesus, that anchor allows us to move on to a better place. We see how David starts off Psalm chapter 69. Well, listen, listen to how he ends it. This is starting in verse 34. He says, Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that move in them, for God will save Zion. 
and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle there and possess it. The children of his servants will inherit it, and those who love his name will dwell there. And David acknowledges and recognizes that the thing that represents all the chaos um, and the craziness of life, the brokenness of the world, the sea, the ocean, even God can tame that and bring that under his control. Recall Jesus walking on the water to his disciples who are freaked out by the storms around him, and he's the one who, call, who calms that. And they look at him and say, man, even this guy, I mean, the wind and the waves obey him. What is happening here? Life with God quiets the chaos and anchors our perspective in the hope that he always provides a way through the thing that causes us to despair. The right actions, the right way of living out and holding on to that hope come from recognizing that it's not on your shoulders to keep hope alive in your life. That that God wants to do that with us and for us. Uh, We've talked about how there's four different ways that we typically relate to God. Life under, over, from, and for God that leave room for despair to take over. Um, For example, when it comes to uh, life being out of our control and trying to hold on to hope, life under God promotes moral certitude in a culture that can no longer define right and wrong. It tells us that obeying divine commands will be our anchor in these volatile times. Life over God says hope will come from employing God's principles in your life. You can navigate to safe harbor if you just use the right charts. Life from God places hope in the process of self-actualization. Purpose comes from identifying and then fulfilling one's desires. And life for God finds hope in devoting one's life to the accomplishment of a greater purpose than one's self. Mission is the anchor then that will give you meaning and significance. And look, I, I will tell you there are principles from each of those things that are positive and, and that are good. But our hope is not predicated on our ability to maintain the right level of activity to keep those things at the level that they need to be in our life. And, and that's why the promise of God in, when it comes to hope is so special and so unique. Because it, it's not about us controlling that hope and keeping it alive in our lives. God has already done that through Jesus. Life comes at us fast, and and when we aren't prepared ahead of time, we can be easily swept away and knocked off course. Uh, Have you guys ever, any of you ever been to Niagara River and seen the Horseshoe Falls, been been up there? So I went up there with my family, uh, went to the American side and the Canadian side and got to see it from a couple different uh, perspectives. Um, I would love to know, actually I don't know if I would love to know this, but you know, was the first person who described uh, the falls there, were they, they describe it, did they the first person to discover, sorry, the falls there. Did they discover it while they were on a boat on the Niagara River? <laughs> like I just, oh, what's that sound? I hear a mighty roaring, you know, um, and they're kind of traveling along. Um, and at what point does the current pick up enough where it just that, you know, the, the point of no return happens? I, man, I cannot imagine. Um, I read an article uh, about a guy who went out on a boat and uh, they ended up, they were on the Niagara River, and they knew, they knew about the falls at the other end. And uh, he had, for some reason, they were fishing or something. I don't remember what they were doing, but um, he turned the engine to his, uh, he turn, turned it off. Um, they're like, oh, it's fine, we'll just restart it. Well, they went to crank it back up when they realized they were getting, you know, too close, and, and it wouldn't crank. Uh, there's something, something wrong with the battery. <laughs> And uh, ended up uh, hitting, not, uh, taking his anchor and uh, connecting the, the context of his battery. Anyway, um, he got it started, and they were, it was fine. It all, it all ended up fine. Some of you were, were concerned. 
Um, before, uh, understand that there's a pedestrian bridge at some point along the river. You know, there was a sign like, hey, do you have an anchor for your boat? You know, because the water's calm up there. It's perfectly fine. But maybe you don't realize how much you've been drifting, right, if, if you haven't put your anchor down. And so there's a sign. You're like, hey, do you have an anchor? And uh, underneath of it is, do you know how to use it? Um, this hope that God gives us in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 that is an anchor for our soul. Um, it, it, it's, it's not just storms and natural disasters that threaten to take away our hope, right? I mean, there's things that happen at work. You get laid off or fired. Uh, things with our, our health, you know, our physical health, you know, cancer, heart disease. Um, another unexpected financial expense comes up that we weren't prepared for. Uh, your, your kid is sick again. Somebody walks out of your life, you're reminded once again of the same family problems that continue to pop up over and over again. Um, once again, someone you love passes away. Life-changing injury, a change in mental health, loneliness. I mean, the list continues on where there's plenty of storms. There, there, there are plenty of underlying currents that kind of carry us along. And we aren't, when we aren't paying attention to what our hope is anchored to, we could end up in a place that we don't expect. The chaos and the storms of life wash over us in real ways, uh, and the storm leaves damage in its wake. But hope with God is a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, because it's not based on us and what we can control, but it's based on what he's already done. It's not an ethereal wish that's not fit for the reality of life, but a testable, practical, and repeatable way of life with God. And Jesus describes how we hold on to this type of hope in our lives in Matthew chapter 7. This is after uh, Jesus, um, after, after Matthew takes us through a collection of some of Jesus' most famous teachings in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And this is what Jesus says, starting in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on, on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it has had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. It's a little bit different when you're not in Sunday school. Rains came down and the floods came, you know. <laughs> because, because we've lived, like most of us have, have, have experienced real life. And, and most of us had at some point in our life, because we're not perfect, have built up our lives on some shifting sand, some, some changing current, some, um, so, some water that seemed calm at the time, but, the, but then a, a storm, you know, came up. And the, those things that I just listed that impact all of us in our lives, the things that we just talked about. We tend to naturally build our hope on things that we feel like we can control, but when we discover that it isn't the case, and those things are taken away and despair creeps in, that's when we have the opportunity with God through Jesus to decide whether or not we're going to keep going in circles or regain our bearings because of the hope that God provides to know where to go next. And it's not, it's not just meant for us to kind of like stay insulated and stay in cal you know, calm waters over in this other, other place. It's, it's a hope that enables us to live life and, and have enough life to live to share with others so that they can experience the same kind of conspicuous hope that people so desperately look for. Um, there was uh, about 12 years ago, I found myself in San Diego. And in San Diego, I was there um, because I had uh, 
uh, I struggled holding on to hope in my life at that point uh, for a couple a couple different reasons. Um, and, and so I was part of a, um, a mentoring group, I guess, is the best, best way to describe that. And um, as we were there in San Diego, if you've never been there, um, pretty place to, to visit. Um, but there's uh, a lot of uh, there, there's a harbor there, uh, a lot of ship, there's a lot, a lot of activity, um, uh, Navy presence there, that kind of thing. And as we're sitting there looking out onto this, you know, one of the things that we talked about in terms of, hey, having anchor, uh, anchored hope in God is so important for uh, healing, recovery, rest, rebuilding, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but in the same token, that hope is also meant to be shared. Um, and God gives us with plenty of it to be able to share with other people. And one of the things that was shared is this quote from John A. Shedd as, as I was there 12 years ago, looking out at the harbor, um, and this is what was shared. A ship in harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are built for. Um, listen, there are going to be storms that pop up in life, um, and we're going to need an anchor and a, and a, you know, to, to hold on to the hope that, that God gives us. Uh, but it's not just about... It's not just about, you know, sitting and being safe. It's also about sharing that with other people. As image bearers of the living God, we weren't created to be ornamental. We're not God's trophies that he takes down and polishes every once in a while and puts us on display. We've been given a life with hope, not just so we can survive, although sometimes we need those moments that that's what we hold on to. And we can be, stop and be thankful for that. Uh, but also so we can be who God created us to be, vessels who bear the image of God as a light in rough waters and storms and chaos of life. And that happens when our lives are anchored in a foundation of life with God through Jesus. Um, many of you will recognize the old hymn, uh, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. And, and I, I just want to read that. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh then... Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Um, there's something, I think, uh, beautifully poetic that um, something that is often used in Scripture uh, to represent chaos and fear. See, you know, the water, it's untamable. We can't do much with it. Sometimes we feel carried along with it. Um, that by the time uh, you get to what Jesus has done and accomplished in, in the New Testament, uh, water is used to symbolize the new creation anchored hope that God gives us. Um, and that symbolism happens through baptism. Um, it's, it's the thing that Jesus participated in with, with his cousins, the thing that um, you know, we're called to participate in to kind of symbolize that, uh, that life change that happens. Uh, because of what God does through Jesus, where um, the lack of hope, the despair, like that, that is meant to be washed away um, in, in that symbolic, you know, uh, death, burial, and resurrection that we participate in with Jesus. 
Um, and, and so I, there are two things I want to say. One is if, if you are looking for hope and haven't said yes to the hope that God provides through Jesus, um, and you're trying to figure that out, uh, this is a place for that. And if you have questions about that, what that looks like, and how to participate in that, please let us know. Um, whatever questions you have, um, you know, we, we would love to, to have that discussion with you. And if, if, you, have, um, if, you've had, if you have said yes to Jesus, um, recognize that that hope that God provides, it, it's not contingent on you. God wants to partner with you in that, and he wants you to experience that with him, but he, he's already provided that hope in your life. And so be anchored to that. Recognize that. Um, reach out to someone if you're having a, whole time, a hard time holding on to hope on, on your own because you weren't meant to do that on your own. You're meant to do that through God, uh, with Jesus, and with, with community and each other. Um, so let me, let me encourage you to be anchored uh, by the hope um, that is steadfast and secure for our souls through Jesus. Let's pray. God, um, we thank you for uh, the opportunity to be in your word and to be reminded of, of how you uh, care for us and how you uh, call us to see who you are and be impacted by that in our everyday lives. God, we ask that you, through your Holy Spirit, uh, give us the, um, the recognition of, of the joy and the peace and the confidence that you give us through the hope that is sustained through Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.